0: is earth files the award-winning news site with the latest updates in science environment and real x files podcasting in-depth reports beyond the six o'clock news by emmy award-winning journalist linda moulton howe
1: the british ministry of defense has confirmed that on december 1st 2009 it shut down its ufo phone hotline and email address for public reports The MOD explained the surprising cutoffs this way, quote, In over 50 years, no UFO report has revealed any evidence of a potential threat to the United Kingdom. The Ministry of Defense has no specific capability for identifying the nature of such sightings. There is no defense benefit in such investigation, and it would be an inappropriate use of defense resources, close quote. The MOD said the elimination of the UFO office would save about $73,000 a year that would be better spent on Afghanistan troops where Britain has about 9,500 soldiers. Continuing with the MOD's statement, quote, Any legitimate threat to the UK's airspace will be spotted by our 24-7 radar checks and dealt with by RAF fighter aircraft, close quote. This is a remarkable statement in light of the UK's former Chief of Defense Staff, Lord Peter John Hill Norton, who was concerned about the national security implications of the December 1980 unidentified lights and craft intrusions at RAF Bentwaters and RAF Woodbridge. Lord Hill Norton told documentary filmmaker James Fox in July 2000, quote, I have frequently been asked why a person of my background a former chief of the defense staff, a former chairman of the NATO military committee, why I think there is a cover-up, or what the reasons might be for governments wishing to cover up the facts about UFOs. A number of explanations have often been put forward. The most frequent, and perhaps the most plausible, is the government's concern, which is primarily that of the United States and of my own country, Over the public's reaction if they were told the truth, which is that there are objects in our atmosphere which are technically miles in advance of anything that we can deploy, that we have no means of stopping them coming here, and that we have no defense against them should they be hostile. I believe governments fear that if they did disclose those facts, people would panic, close quote. One former U.K. Ministry of Defense staffer who was hired right out of high school back in 1985 at age 20 is Nick Pope. His father also worked for the MOD and was instrumental in Nick's recruitment. During his 21 years inside the Ministry of Defense Secretary at Air Staff 2A, Nick was officially assigned in 1991 to 1994 to run the UFO project that included a UFO phone hotline for public sightings reports. He retired from the MOD in 2006 and since then has worked as a freelance journalist to write about UFOs, other unexplained mysteries, and conspiracy theories for various newspapers and magazines. Nick has also done public relations work for film companies such as 20th Century Fox and Sony Pictures to promote TV series, including the X-Files program. Recently, I talked with Nick by phone in his London home office and ask him why the MOD would suddenly suspend the very UFO project it has publicized in its ongoing release of UFO files.
0: My view on this, and I speak as someone who's worked for them, or I, I worked for them for 21 years, they're not actually out of the game publicly they say that they're not investigating these sightings anymore they're not going to respond to queries from members of the public about this they're not going to investigate sightings but i can absolutely guarantee that if a pilot sees a ufo and reports it that will be investigated if an air traffic controller sees something unusual on the radar again That will be reported.
1: What would you speculate might be the reason for the UK government disengaging from the public now on UFO reports? Well,
0: I think the British government has been bombarded with a whole series of UFO sightings, which, to be honest, are fairly spurious. I think what's happened is that the powers that be have decided to cut out the public. It's time to simply say, yeah, we're not in this game. Um, We're not interested in John Smith out walking his dog at night, seeing a bright light in the sky and phoning it in. Actually, what we are interested in is pilots seeing these things, air traffic controllers seeing something on, on radar and reporting that up the chain of command. And people think the British government are out of the game, But you know what? They're not. Absolutely, behind the scenes, the British government is still looking at this issue. As to the timing, I don't know. In most issues, whether it's Iraq, Afghanistan, or whatever, you will find that the British government slavishly follows the U.S. position. So maybe the answer is we've been told to do this, but I don't know.
1: Which would make it even more important and implying that perhaps something big is around the corner that the less the public knows up until some point, the better? Yes, I can't
0: disagree with that. Again, as I say, as someone who served for 21 years in government, this sort of behavior is often indicative of some great policy initiative, some revelation, some announcement so i would urge everyone watch this space just when they try and tell you this is not an issue you know ufos it's not important we're closing the ufo project move along there's nothing to see just when they tell you to do that that's the very time when you should be paying the closest possible attention this project it never really appeared on the radar of our government financiers but it did recently, and obviously in terms of our having huge commitments in Afghanistan, it was always going to be a very, very easy target having a UFO project at the same time as, as you've got men and women creating you know, their lives on the line in, in Afghanistan and, and people saying, well, isn't this time that you cut the UFO project? And that's what they said, and that's what they did.
1: Well, in the context of military challenges and the possible political embarrassment of a UFO desk in the Ministry of Defense at the same time, isn't that contradicted by the fact that Lord Hill Norton, your version of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, which would have been in the 90s, correct?
0: Yes, correct.
1: The very fact that he took the UFO extraterrestrial phenomena seriously in his military capacity, would contradict any explanation that they would drop the UFO desk because it might be an embarrassment to a military operation.
0: I agree with you totally. The Ministry of Defense's public position that this is of no defense significance is, I think, completely blown out of the water by the testimony of people like Lord Hill Norton. The MOD has for many, many years tried to downplay this subject out of embarrassment out of a lack of understanding and how the heck do we play this issue and then along comes someone like lord hill norton former chief of the defense staff former chair of nato's military committee so this is the equivalent of someone like colin powell coming out and saying i believe ufos are extraterrestrial And I believe that the government is covering up the truth about this. That is dynamite. It's absolute dynamite. And the fact that Lord Hill Norton said that was a story here in the UK. Arguably, it wasn't the story that it should have been all around the world.
1: And you were working in the Ministry of Defence UFO desk at that time, correct?
0: That's correct. Lord Hill Norton phoned me up and... He asked me to brief him on this subject. Now, technically speaking, when somebody is a five-star military officer, they never retire. They are always regarded as being on the active list. So when Lord Hill Norton phoned me up and asked me about UFOs, to me, this was an order. And I was working for the government. I was, at the time, a comparatively junior managerial rank somebody at five-star level, five-star, phones me up and asks me to do something, my, my response is, yes, sir.
1: What is it that you communicated to him that convinced him that this was serious?
0: Well, I'm not sure it was my advice that convinced him. I clearly briefed him on various UFO investigations that I was involved with. But at the end of the day, of course, he is a five-star military officer and chairman of NATO's military committee. I mean, I can't overstate the importance of Lord Hill Norton's rank in regard to this issue.
1: Well, what do you think convinced Lord Hill Norton that the UFO phenomena and extraterrestrials were serious and needed to be investigated?
0: I don't know. It may be that he, a former chief of the defense staff and chair of NATO's military committee, clearly I had a very high security clearance, but obviously his security clearance was stratospherically higher than mine. So it may well be that he was privy to things that I simply wasn't briefed on. So you're taking me into very difficult territory here. There, There may well be things that he knew that I just wasn't briefed on.
1: Did you ever have a private off-the-record conversation with him about what he worried about?
0: Yes, I certainly had a private off-the-record conversation with Lord Hill Norton, and he was absolutely convinced that some UFOs were extraterrestrial, and he was also convinced that some elements within government, military, intelligence agencies even he, at that level, five-star military, chair of NATO's military committee, chief of the defense staff, couldn't get access. He was convinced that some people knew things and weren't sharing them. But even I couldn't get access to that. Sadly, he passed away a few years ago, and, and those secrets, whatever he knew, he took to the grave
1: So what power structure is he implying would be able to deny him access to information about UFOs and extraterrestrial biological entities?
0: Well, essentially, he was saying that he, as a five-star military officer, this is a man who literally could have picked up the telephone and spoken to the Queen, the Prime Minister, the President, anyone. But even he said that there was a level, I'll have to choose my words carefully because I'll get into trouble for this probably, but he said there were levels that he could not access. Even at his level of rank and seniority, he said there were places he could not go, there was information he could not access, there were people he could not go in to see. And you can use phrases like, secret government, cabal, whatever. I don't know.
1: And Nick, did you ever ask him straight out if he was referring to the Majestic 12 group set up by Truman in the 40s and that the United States was, in fact, in control of the interaction between humans and non-humans?
0: Well, you know, there's an old joke here in the UK and the, the joke goes something like this. People ask the Secretary of State for defense, are there any circumstances when you wouldn't go along with the American policy on anything? And the answer comes back, well, only if they told us not to. You know, <laughs> We are very, very much the junior partner here. Basically, Britain does what America tells Britain to do.
1: Then, is the cancelling of the UFO phone hotline and the disconnect from United Kingdom public as of December 1st, 2009, an order from the United States to the UK.
0: I don't know that. I honestly, genuinely don't know that. But one important thing to say in relation to the way in which this story has been played in the media, it's important, I think, to make the point that this is not just the cutting off of a phone line. This is not just the termination of an email address. However this has been spun and played in the media, this is nothing less than the termination of the British government's UFO project. This is 50 years of research and investigation that we've done in this country, terminated at the stroke of a pen, This is Britain formally disengaging from the UFO issue for whatever reason, and I do not know.
1: So why now? Well, the irony,
0: the ultimate irony, is that here in the UK, UFO sightings are at a 10-year high. Now, one can make a case and say, maybe there's a degree of what I term corporate irritation about this. In other words, the MOD has been looking at this issue for over 50 years. The MOD gets more Freedom of Information Act requests on UFOs than almost any other subject. Sightings, as I've said, are at a 10-year high. So actually, there's an awful lot of work. So pulling out of the UFO project, terminating involvement with the subject, does, I guess, enable... The MOD to disengage from a subject that has given it all manner of difficulties for the last 50 years. This is a difficult issue that the MOD wants to disengage from. The MOD is in the process. It's midway through a three-year program of declassifying and releasing the entire archive of UFO files. Literally tens of thousands of documents some of which were classified at very high level, secret UKIs only. So just when UFOs are big news, the MOD takes a step back and says, no, we can't deal with this. We don't know how to respond to it. We don't know what this is. These things are in our airspace. They're seen by pilots. They're tracked on radar. We've seen them for 50 years performing speeds and maneuvers that we can't even conceive of, let alone match. It's a difficult problem, and it doesn't surprise me they've walked away.
1: Well, it is a repetition of the 1960s American Project Blue Book, which was really only window dressing, and the government didn't walk away from UFOs at all. You have suggested is exactly the case in the UK now, that they're actually going to concentrate on the phenomena behind the scenes. Do you think it's possible that both the United States and the United Kingdom governments are anticipating something coming that might finally break open this whole subject to the world public?
0: It's quite possible. I don't have any inside information about that. And, you know, if I did, I probably couldn't say so anyway. Uh, But it's quite possible, yes. There's no smoke without fire. When you get these sorts of situations, when you have these sorts of announcements, it does suggest that there's something going on, and I don't know what it is. I honestly don't. But there's something going on behind the scenes.
1: What is the one case in 2009 that has impressed you with the most substance? Well,
0: we had a case here. In early January, we had a wind turbine, one of these structures. It's about 300 feet tall, designed to generate ecologically friendly power. And it was hit by something. Local people described lights in the sky. Then they heard a huge bang, at about four in the morning. The following morning, when they looked at this thing, they found that one of the blades, which was 65 feet in length, had been ripped off. One of the other ones was bent out of shape, and the third one was intact. Now, people speculated that something had hit this thing, and what was very, very interesting, and this, by the way, was a front-page news story in The Sun, Britain's best-selling national daily newspaper. They put this story on the front page. What was really interesting, and this has never been really explained, was that somebody at the Ministry of Defence phoned up The Sun and tried to suggest that this was some secret prototype drone codenamed Tyranis manufactured by BAE Systems Limited, one of the UK's leading defence contractors.
1: Yes, I remember I did a short story about it at Earth Files with those photographs that the Sun ran and thought at the time, if this is non-human intelligence and these wind turbines have been out around the world for a long time, why suddenly at that moment in that place in England Would there have been a violent aggression on the part of a phenomenon toward that wind turbine?
0: Yes. Something very interesting happened here. And the fact that the Ministry of Defense would contact a national newspaper and effectively start leaking stories and hints and suggestions about this suggests to me that Someone somewhere knew a little bit more about this than they were letting on, and I don't know what that thing that they knew was, but I would like to know it.
1: What is your perception of agendas? Are we dealing with intelligences that are aggressive or not aggressive? Everybody wants to know. Are we dealing with something that is good, is bad, is neutral? And I wonder what you think now in December of 2009.
0: To me, as somebody who worked for the Ministry of Defence for 21 years, the UFO issue is self-evidently something of concern. It raises defence, national security, and air safety issues. And I say the last point because of the numerous near-misses between UFOs and commercial aircraft some of which have involved pilots having to take evasive action. This is the government saying this, and it's on various websites. If you look hard enough, the best place to hide a book is in a library. Information is out there, but it's kind of hidden amongst the more obscure stuff. But bottom line, I do not know. I'm the guy that did this for the government, and I'm absolutely going to be honest with you and say, hands up, I do not know what's going on. And honestly, I don't. It may be hostile. It may be benign. Bottom line, don't know.
1: Did Lord Hill Norton ever suggest to you that he had any inside information about agendas, positive or negative? Lord Hill
0: Norton was furious at what he felt was an attempt to cut him as a five-star military officer out of this issue to not brief him on something which he said as Britain's most senior military officer, he had an absolute right to know. He believed that UFOs were extraterrestrial. He believed that some people in government knew about it and were covering it up. But as far as I can recollect, and we corresponded for a while, I met him one or two times, but I don't think he expressed an opinion either way in terms of whether this phenomenon was malevolent or benign.
1: What do you personally expect to happen in the next 10 or 20 years? Do you think this policy of denial in the interest of national security can hold much longer?
0: My belief is that the thing that we should be looking at is probably the square kilometer array. This is going to be the largest radio telescope ever constructed in human history. It's going to be the most sophisticated and powerful machine on the face of the planet. And most scientists who've looked at this say that when it's fully operational, if there are intelligent civilizations within 100 light years of Earth, this machine will find them because we've been a detectable civilization for over 100 years through radio and television. Other civilizations are expected to have developed the same way. If they're there, we'll find them. And I think that the whole UFO issue will be unveiled not through some announcement about, yes, something crashed at Roswell in 1947, but through some more mainstream scientific... Yeah, actually, we've picked up a signal, and there are other people like us out there. And so I would say to people, watch the Square Kilometer Array. Look at the website, monitor the program. That's how it's going to be unveiled. Are we alone or not? That question will first be answered by the Square Kilometer Array.
1: And the Square Kilometer Array and the SETI project are all assuming that advanced intelligences out in the universe would be operating frequencies of the electromagnetic spectrum that we could pick up. What if they aren't?
0: Well, indeed, you have a point. And the late philosopher Terence McKenna once said, to search the galaxy expectantly for a radio signal is as culture-bound an assumption as searching the galaxy for a good Italian restaurant. (laughs) But I think that things like radio and television are so obvious and the frequencies are, again, so obvious that I think this is good science that we can do.
1: What do you think about the speculation that one or more of these non-human groups might physically interact with our Earth up front, pulling the rug out from under governments and saying, we are here, you are not alone, and we're tired of waiting for your governments to tell you the truth?
0: That's quite possible. I guess the devil's advocate response would be, well, they could do that any time, so when they want to do it, they will do it. That's not our call. That may happen. If we are being visited, if there are others here, then they have in their power at the flick of a finger to reveal
1: this. What do you say to people in the human abduction syndrome who say, this is nonsense, we have been dealing face-to-face with non-humans on this planet for at least 40 years.
0: Well, those people are entitled to their opinions. I guess the skeptics would say, well, bring forth your proof. Then you get into an almost philosophical debate, I think, about what constitutes evidence.
1: And what do you personally think is going to happen in the next 10 or 20 years?
0: Oh, goodness, I don't know. Um... I do think that in the next 10 or 20 years, whether it's through the square kilometre array or whether it's through something else, I think we will find proof that we're not alone. And I think the noises coming out of the Catholic Church at the moment, you know, that's the writing on the wall. They're not stupid. Either they know something or they very strongly suspect something, but for the Catholic Church to be talking in the terms that they are about Some of these things, possibly being extraterrestrial and saying, if we're not alone, it's not counter to church doctrine. I don't think you come out with a statement like that unless you either know or very strongly suspect.
1: The Vatican in Rome released two statements in 2009 about extraterrestrial life in our universe. The first was in early May 2009 from the Reverend Jose Gabriel Funes, the Vatican's chief astronomer and scientific advisor to Pope Benedict. Reverend Funes said in an interview with the Vatican newspaper, quote, How can we exclude that life is developed elsewhere? Just as there is a multiplicity of creatures on earth, there can be other beings, even intelligent, created by God. This is not in contrast with our faith, because we can't put limits on God's creative freedom. Why can't we speak of a brother extraterrestrial? It would still be part of creation, quote. This refreshingly open-minded statement was quite different than earlier arguments with scientists about evolution versus creationism and whether the Bible should be read as literal truth versus interpretive history. Then, seven months later, in November 2009, the Pontifical Academy of Science hosted a gathering of leading scientists from around the world to discuss possible discoveries of bacterial life forms on another planet, such as Mars, and the search for life in the larger cosmos, where more than 400 planets have now been discovered beyond our solar system. Professor Chris Impey from the University of Arizona told the Vatican-hosted meeting, quote, "...microbial life is not likely to challenge the world's major religions. But if we find creatures that rival us or exceed us in intelligence, then I think that's going to be very interesting." Close quote.
0: Thanks for listening to this Earth Files podcast. From the edges of science, environment, and real X-Files. Go to www.earthfiles.com to see more than a thousand Earth Files reports with photographs, drawings, and documents. And visit Earth Files every day, every week, for new reports and new podcasts. That's www.earthfiles.com.